Welcome to Mama Soul's Wisdom I Am Love Movement Podcast, the place where you will learn how to build a five-dimensional family through decades of experience, where the core values are learning what is possible through love and acceptance and knowing how to do right by your family. We'll assist in the growth of you and the ones you love. amount of success outside the home that will ever compensate for the failure inside of your home. Now, introducing the host of the I Am Love Movement Podcast, the one and only Mama Soul Wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. Do you want to live your life by design and not by default? Do you want to belong to a movement much bigger than yourself? Well, if you want to go from victimhood to victory, then fearlessness is our battle cry. And it all starts with self-love and acceptance. My name is Loretta Wetzel, also known as Mama Soul Wisdom, founder of the I Am Love Movement. Now, I created this podcast for families, individuals and families. Why? Because as human beings, We all have issues and challenges. And so I share everything that I've learned through old school wisdom for a new generation so that you can live your biggest and best life. I want to end the conversation of suffering and pain and live into a conversation that includes abundance, prosperity, and love. Now, there are four key principles that I always cover in my podcast. Number one is self-love and acceptance. It all starts with that. So what does that mean to you, self-love and acceptance? Well, for me, it means not settling for less than what I deserve. And we all deserve abundance. Number two, there's a focus on families. Traditional families, non-traditional families, church families, multicultural families, adoptive families, community families. There's not a lot of conversation today about the state of the union on families in America today. So I want to focus and spotlight families. Number three, we talk about connectivity because I am you and you are me. We're all in this thing together. We have similar hopes and dreams. And it's time that we stand as light warriors, sharing our light as leaders in our families, in our communities, and as global neighbors. And number four, this is a conversation about humanity. Now, understand that together, we are never alone. And I encourage you to engage with people who don't look like you, think like you, or talk like you. Because diversity is beautiful when you look for the beauty. It's the differences that makes us unique, especially when we share our gifts. Now, I always have an old school wisdom quote on my podcast. 
because I believe in old school wisdom for a new generation. So here's my quote for today. Ain't nothing on the other side of quit. In my opinion, that is the dirtiest four-letter word of them all, is to quit. Quit to what? What are you going to quit to? Right? As a human being, you are powerful. Now, I get in today's environment that it can be challenging. There is no new normal. We're playing it by ear in the year of 2020. But regardless, if it's year 2020, if it's 19, if it was 1980, if it's the year 2030, some of our greatest opportunities come from our biggest setbacks. Don't quit. There's nothing on the other side of quit. So today we're going to talk about the power of human strength with my good friend, Doretta Thomas. She has so many human experiences. She's a mother of five boys. They're now all young men. She's an insurance agent. She's a past first lady of her church, a cancer survivor, a published author of the book titled, Dying is Not an Option. And she shares some of her most trying storms in this book that she faced as a mother, as a woman, and as a cancer survivor. And then if that is not enough valleys, Doretta is also a widow. Now, she overcame that. She's a nationally recognized empowerment speaker. She currently resides in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'm so honored that she decided to share time with us this, this day on the podcast on the I Of Love movement so she can share with others that you too, despite your challenges and circumstances, can make it. Doretta, welcome. So glad that you're here. Well, thank you so very much, Mama Wisdom. <laughs> I thank you for being allowing me to be here. Absolutely. So let's start off, okay, by sharing about how you were informed that you were diagnosed with cancer. Because in reading the book, you said it was like a one-two punch. Like, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a strong woman. I got this. And then all <laughs> of a sudden, it was like, whoa, wait a minute. So what did you do to overcome, uh, to overcome this? Well, you know, when I first, um, well, I, you know, I did a mammogram. Did, did your regular annual mammogram about November. And then they called me back and said, hey, we need you to come back. We'd like to do a biopsy. And I'm like, oh, Lord. I, I kind of knew what that meant because I would had that before, maybe 10 years ago. And so I said, okay, okay ladies, so first point, get your mammograms. Mammograms regularly. Regularly. Yes. Because I only, my, I remember my, my mother-in-law had passed away. I remember before she passed away, the doctor had told us, the oncologist had told us that cancer can live in your body up to five years. So I'm a plant-based person. I don't like all that radiation and all that stuff in my system. So I have to have it every two to three years. 
So my second year, my doctor sat in his little chair so gingerly like a, a grandfather and asked me what I'd be my mammogram because the the next year was it would have been the third year. And I said, sure, I will. So, you know, they told me to come back for a biopsy. And I thought, hmm, I went for the biopsy. And then they told me, well, you need to come back and uh, we need to do, no, first, I'm sorry. First we did the ultrasound, then the biopsy. So when we did the biopsy, they said, well, we would have the results in a couple of days. I'm like, okay. But this time I just kind of felt different. I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Never had the flu, never caught a cold, but I had the flu the early part of the year, 2018. So, you know, and I told my, uh, my kids, you know, um, I don't want to claim cancer, but my body is acting a little different. So when the doctor did mm -hmm. confirm the two days later that it was cancer, and he first thing he said, oh, it's stage. So I remember with my mother-in-law, she had stage four. So I'm thinking, oh, wow, okay, stage one, it's easy. You know, I'll probably just have a little surgery, take it out wherever it's at, and then boom, I'm back. Mm -hmm. So he told me I was triple negative. Didn't really know what that was that with the nurse navigator and she kind of went through the whole thing oh well triple negative you know means you know a higher risk you know then I go to the breast surgeon she's like oh you know I'd like to do another test on you <laughs> BRCA2 oh, wow. positive yeah so here I am you know stage one mutated genes triple negative and BRCA2 so I'm like oh my gosh am I not special so <laughs> so again I'm thinking all right, we just got to hit this thing head on. And so me and my, the, the, the boy's father, we sat and we talked, you know, to all the children the night before. Mm -hmm. um, and then he died the next morning. So that's when my whole what? life changed. Yes. So we let me get this straight. Yeah. You had a conversation with your husband after receiving the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. You chatted with them and said, well, we better tell the boys together. Yes. And you did that. Yes. We got on the phone with the boys because some uh, are out of town. And then we, um, but we got, did a conference call with all of them and shared with them that, you know, mom had cancer, but I'm be okay. And so now, even though he, um, he was actually my, my ex-husband, cause you know, we, we had divorced, but we were still, still so super close. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we would call each other sometimes two, three times a day. We take the kids and the grandkids out. So we did a lot, very, very close knit. And so when we got the call that I had the cancer and we shared with the boys that night, he said, okay, call me in the morning and I'll go with you to the nurse. And I called, I called, I called, and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Is he sick? You know, is his phone off? But he knows we's, we've got this important meeting. And then I got the call that night, but he had actually passed away that morning and nobody knew until that night. So I tell you, our whole world was rocked. Whole world was rocked. I can't even imagine because it's always the 
uncertainty and the not knowing of this is this has been a rock in my life for many years. Even though you're divorced, you're still good friends. You raised mm-hmm. a family together. And so this isn't a piece of cake type news. This is something right. that's really serious. So I'm sure you were looking for support when you were going to see the doctor and then for yes. him not to even show up mm-hmm. and you not knowing, well, mm-hmm. where is he? What happened? Where we told he? he's supposed to be here. He's supposed to be here. Yep. And I told the nurse to be wrong because there's no way he'd miss this. So she took my hand and she just, we just kind of prayed. She's like, okay, well, you know, whenever he comes, you know, we can, we can go over all the information. And so I stepped in my house, probably 30 minutes later, I got the news. And so I just, you know, just lost it. Just, you know, again, I'm having to make another call to all the boys and share that with them. So, yeah. Is that where the title of the book came from? Dying is not an option. The title of the book came a couple weeks after the nurse and navigator said, now, Doretta, we do a, a round table discussion and we pick different uh, uh, patients. And if we pick you, you know, I want you to be there because I want you to hear what they're saying and what they're going to do in terms of your uh, diagnosis and and how they want to do treatment. Mm -hmm. She called me. She said, okay, hurry up and get here. You know, you're going to be on in about 30 minutes. I'm driving. I get there and I'm listening to about 20 doctors, 25 doctors, uh, got radiologists, oncology, uh, breast surgeons, uh, just doctors everywhere. And so, you know, I listened to each one of them share their uh, information. Okay, this is what I believe. This opinion here, this is what I think we should do. Yeah, sure, I think that's so. Maybe we should do this. Sitting there, and then they finally asked me. They said, "Oh, well, Miss Tom, do you have any questions?" I said, "No, I don't have any questions." But I will say this: my kids just lost their dad. I just lost my best friend. So dying is not an option. Whatever you have to do, you have to do to keep me alive because I'm not dying. And so they all kind of looked at me like, because usually when a patient is sitting there, they're all frazzled and, oh, do I have to do this? Do I? I'm like, look, whatever you have to do, you have to do because dying is not an option and it's just not. And so they kind of look like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's really where. That that's where the title came from because I was I was very you just you know straightforward I I was start no dying is just not an option so what do we need to do tell me what we have to do because I'm not dying period yeah not today. right not today <laughs> fifty All years right. from now okay but not today <laughs> <laughs> now there's a quote from the book and it says. Quote, it doesn't matter who we are in this life or how much we are loved or disliked, treasured or overlooked. It doesn't matter how much money we have accumulated or how much we lack, what we have accomplished or are still hoping to accomplish. When death comes knocking, nothing else matters. So what can you share with our listeners about grief? 
Now, from my perspective, I can tell you there seems to be a common thread that when a loved one dies, that I, for me personally, I cried myself to sleep. Yep. And then I would wake up and I said, oh, this must have been a dream. Mm-hmm. And I'd wake up and then I'd realize that it wasn't a dream, that it's really true. And then it, like it's a shock that keeps hitting you over and over again because yep. you think, oh, this couldn't have possibly happened except it did. Yep. That's how it was for me when my when my mom passed away. So mm-hmm. what about you? What yeah. can you share about grief? I, I think for me, the first was just I was numb. When I heard the news, I got, you know, I had to drive. So I'm, st- I'm driving and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to wake you up. Okay, nobody can wake mm-hmm. you up but me. I'm going to wake you up. So I didn't want to believe it. So I get there. And that's when it hits. Oh, it's real. But I'm just like, you know, like you're having an outer body experience. It's like a surreal moment. Like, you know, you hear everybody talking and, and, you know, you're waiting for the coroner and you just, you know, the kids are sitting there patting you and, but you're just like, it's kind of like you're overlooking everything. And I tell you, I must've kind of walked in a daze for the first couple weeks. And one of my, my, I have 24 year old twins, they were 21 at the time. And so one of them told me, mom, you know, you've got cancer. You need to try to start getting a doctor and let's get this stuff out of you. You know, but I was just like in a daze. And and I said, yeah, you're right. With the help of the nurse navigator, you know, she kind of gave me a list of doctors. So we start interviewing this one and this. And so we all made a pact that each doctor we had to have a sign. Dad had to give us a sign that this was the right doctor. And I'm telling you, right, every doctor, we got a sign. And it was like, oh my gosh, he's he's still looking over. He's still taking care of me. He's still got But I tell you, you know, when you grieve, I tell people all the time, just don't rush the process. That's, you know, that's I was going to ask you your top three tips for yeah. experiencing grief. So tip number one is don't yeah. rush the process. Don't rush the process. You go through that process because if not, you're going to eventually have a, not an actual breakdown, but you're going to have a breaking point, you know, where your bucket is going to fill up and it's going to just overflow. So just mm-hmm. take those, take that time. You know, there's the, the the different stages of grief, you know, the denial, the happy, the sad, the, you know, go through all those if you have to. And then don't let people tell you it's time for you to move on. That was something that people would share with me. Oh, he wouldn't want you to do this. Oh, he wants you to go on. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you know, you know, I got to get this out. How, how I've got to get it out, you know? And so, and I know people mean well, you know, <laughs> but it's like, okay. And so I think, you know, number two would be just surround yourself with your family. Just, you know, really, you know, just love on your family who's there. I know we're missing our loved ones, but what really helped me was my grandchildren, mm, you know, because that's okay. life. 
you know, that's life moving on, you know. So that was really helpful for me. And I would say, because, you know, a lot of African-Americans, we don't believe in going to counseling. I would say get some grief counseling if it's bad enough. I went to the Grief Recovery Institute, eight-week course, and they are all around the world. They teach the same. Yes, they teach the same course. If you do it in Africa, you do it in Chicago, you do it in Phoenix, it's all going to be taught the same. And it was life-changing for me. It, It allowed me to put everything into perspective, you know? And so I would say, get some help if you need to, but don't be this person, oh, I can do this. I find yourself somewhere in a corner, you know, because you just can't, you can't take it. There's only so much you can take, you know? So again, I would say do that. And, um, you know, just just well, we're all we're all a hot mess. I have a friend that says we're <laughs> oh, yes. all a hot mess, and it's okay to seek yes. help. Yes, it's not a sign yes. of weakness. Mm-mm. No, no, yeah. I still go. I still go, even though I finished that course. I have a good friend of mine who's a therapist, and she said, "Well, Doretta, I can't, I can't counsel you because we're friends, but I can tell mm-hmm. you where to go." And mm-hmm. so she told me, she said, "As much pain as you." And you need a you need at least two years. You need to be with somebody two years just talking through things. And I still talk to this lady. I still, you know, his birthday was just a few days ago and you know, it kind of hit me again and the day after and I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought I'd gotten through this. No, no, you don't. Each year the sting is a little less, but it's still there. Wow, it's how long has he been dead? It'll be three years in January. Oh, wow. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's still relatively new. Yes. Yeah. Three years is a short time. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned in your book, you did not want to be called the lady with cancer. No. Mm-mm. You hated <laughs> the, the, the labels. Or you also yeah. said... The man who lost his wife or the boy who went to jail. Like, Mm -hmm. don't Mm -hmm. do that. What else do you recommend not to say to someone who's dealing with a serious illness or death of a loved one? What not to say? Yeah. Well, when one thing I learned in in the grief recovery institute is, is crying. Don't try to grab them. You know, don't, don't, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't, because then you, you stop that cry and that cry needs to come out. So let them finish their cry. I don't care if it's 10 minutes, let them cry. And then when they finish, you ask them, would you like a hug or just, you know, would you like for me to hold your hand? Ask permission at that point. So that's something that I learned has been very, I've used that now with so many others that, you know, have uh, lost loved ones. I, I'm there, you know, because we're first, the th- first thing we think about, oh, let me go help. Nope. Nope. Let them finish what they're doing. Let them finish getting that out. So you I know, there's a, a common theme as I'm listening to you with regards to giving people space to allow to discover for themselves 
whatever it is that they need to discover in their life's journey. Yeah. Yeah. And even though as a friend or family member, you may mean well, Mm -hmm. but we each have to walk our own life journey on our own. And so you have to recognize to give people room and space. You do. You really do. To grow and discover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because because my children, I, I my my twins, they are at the point where they cannot go. Well, one of my twins told me my father in law just died this February, and we had to have it at a church, and he just he lost it. He couldn't take. He's like, Ma, I don't like being in church because it reminds me of Dad, and I I just I lose it. And I told him, I said, It's okay. God knows. It's okay. Nobody else has to know. It's nobody else's business. <laughs> so if it hurts you because it reminds you of dad, because dad was a pastor of a church, he was a bishop. So if it hurts you, you know, don't force it. And so again, people mean well, but you know, they don't know how each one of us are affected by things. And and so I know I've been, you know, in my walk, I'll say, oh, this person should be done with this or, or, you know, why are they acting like this? But you don't know, you don't don't know. know. And you have to just have, you know, empathy. You have to sympathize. You have to just let people deal with whatever it is they're dealing with, how they're dealing with, you know, it. So even with my boys, each one of my sons took the grief a different way. Mm. One jumped up, he went to work the next morning and we're like, wait a minute, you, you're going to, to well, actually he was in college. He's like, you're, you're going to, he's like, no, that's what dad wants. That's what dad was. That's what dad would want. The other one took a year off. I said, look, school's going to be there. I, I have another one who, um, you know, has, you know, he, he started drinking, you know, so it's just like each, each one of them dealt with the pain and then that also, that they also had to deal with, like I said, dad's dying. But then also, we don't really sure if mom's going to be okay. Because we've mm-hmm. seen, yeah, you know, even though they say, oh, well, you know, we got the cancer out. You know, you're doing well. But we don't really know. We 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 hear mom has this triple negative and it can come back in two years. And it if it comes back, it's going to be deadly. Um, you know, we don't know. So they're tiptoeing around. You know, so that's something that I have to deal with with each one of my children and even my oldest grandson, because he just turned 18 and he was afraid. He was like, you know, what happened? You know, he had lost his his uh, maternal grandfather. Then he lost his paternal grandfather. And then I, the paternal grandmother is he's like, what I, I, is going yeah. on? And that's exactly how he felt. So, yeah, so we we had a lot. We had a lot of different emotions all over the place running around, you know, so you 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 really have to just take one step at a time. You just have to take one step. I, I learned how to step back the year of that in the year after. And I made a point. And not trying to be everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. I made it a point to just not be so 
involved. Because a lot of times that's what people do. They they do this, they do that. They you know they they're, they're trying to anesthetize the pain, and and you know they run themselves down. So I I did the opposite. I just really took some time for me. Uh, learned some things, uh, <laughs> tried some new things, but it was about self awareness for Doretta and just keeping me well. Because if I'm not well. Then what good am I to my my family? Because I didn't, even though I said dying wasn't an option, I didn't want to live and be sickly. You know, yes. I want to, yeah. yeah, I want to be healthy and living. So you know, you got to take care of yourself. So actually, that was just perfect and a segue into my next question because what you just described, I heard love and self acceptance of yourself. Yes. And so what other valuable life lessons have you learned in your journey so far? Mm. You took a moment to make sure that you were going to take care of you first. Right. And I, so many mm-hmm. people, I think, yeah. miss, miss that. You can't help others if you don't love and self, mm-hmm. have self-acceptance for yourself first. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, I did. I, I would go all the time by myself to the movies and I would go like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. when nobody was there. I sometimes, most of the times I'd be the only one in the theater, you know, and I loved it. Now, now I've gotten spoiled when I see people coming in like, get out of here. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> my theater. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that, you know, I would go get massages. You know, I, I did um, acupuncture because I had problems with the mm-hmm. uh, neuropathy. I had some, you know, problems with some of the chemo, you know, the effects of the chemo. But I did, I tried to do what I needed to do to keep Doretta sane and keep Doretta healthy. So those are things I would tell people to do. And then don't listen to negative people. Negative people. I was very careful who I told I even had cancer. Because I didn't want people to say, oh, she dying. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. I'm like, wait a minute. So you, you have wanna to live. Care. You don't want people yeah. tiptoeing around you. No. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So you have to be careful who you tell. You gotta gotta have wisdom with who who you share your your uh uh illness with. So yeah. And so that they can support you in the way in which you wish to be supported versus right. what they want to do. Exactly. Exactly. Because you right. know, you know who you got in your corner and you know the ones who's gonna fall apart, you know, and then you know the ones who can stay stand strong. So those that I knew could stand strong, I shared them first. And then obviously as I, you know, got ready to go to surgery and all that, I had to share with other people. Uh, but I was very careful. Even my 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 uh, kids, I would tell them, "Hey, don't don't look at me crazy. Don't." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. But again, I know they were so afraid of losing me because one of my twins told me, "Well, mom, dad was sick. He didn't take care of himself." Mom, you're you're one of the healthiest people I know. You know, you eat plant based, you exercise. Um, this ain't fair. And I told them, I said, no. You can't look at it like that because right. you're right. Mom has been healthy her whole life 
up until 55. So, hey, I, I can't, I can't complain. I really can't complain about this. I really cannot because I've been really healthy and I've been blessed. So it's it's just my time to bear my burden. You know, Amen. If he brings um, you to it, he'll bring you through it. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's a scripture in the Bible. I was to always tell them, you know, uh, where it, is, it says, uh, shall I accept good from God and not trouble? Okay, well, you, you can't ask for all the good stuff. God, just give me, give me, give me, give me. And, and not, you know, have a journey, not to have your wilderness. So I was okay with that. But, you know, I, I had to just know that I had to take care of Doretta. And even now, up to this day, sometimes I still feel like a fish out of water because he's gone, because we shared so much and we talked about the boys and our grandchildren. And just a couple of days ago, like I said, when it was his birthday, you know, I was like, man, I wish you could just come and talk to the boys because mm-hmm. he could always have such a sense of calming to the boys, you know, when they needed him. You know, do you so regret, I, do you regret div- uh, divorcing him? That is one regret that I think we both, we both said we did. We should have just, because we were still, like I said, together we were still together we you know did a lot we shared a lot uh my my issue it was all on me and my issue was um the politics of the church uh-huh. you know always loved him would always love him but you know uh just didn't want to deal with the politics of the church cuz sometimes they can be nasty and messy I tell people all the time, the person on the street, a bum on the street to treat you better sometimes than folks who are supposed to be Christian. <laughs> well, as human beings, it can get to be messy. Whether you're, you're right. in church or out of yeah. church, but as human yeah. beings, it gets messy. For exactly. Because sure. the messy people uh, come to church. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's switch gears for a little bit because I want to talk about your professional life as well. You are an experienced insurance agent and give our listeners some idea about what insurance that they should have um, to prepare for their future and to prepare for leaving a legacy for their family. A lot of us, we don't know, we've maybe only heard of term life insurance policies and they don't know about anything else. So share right. your, your wisdom with us. Okay. Now, one thing I will say, you have insurance if you if you have a job. You have insurance on your job. Get everything you can get on your job. But just know all of that is, is uh, temporary. Because once you leave, once you retire, nine times out of ten, you leave all there. So you can have a million-dollar policy on your job. But when you retire at 65 or 68, you have nothing, 65, you're 68, 70, and it's astronomical. So I tell mm-hmm. people, while you are young and you're happy, get your policy. As soon as you can, get an outside policy. And I tell people, when you are young with, say, a new wife, new husband, new babies, you know, got a, a home, that's the time to get your term insurance. 
You get a 20-year, 30-year term insurance. Okay, so that'll see you in the event of you have a premature death. That will take care of the kids, the wife, or or what have you. Uh, As we get older, we need to be looking at something more permanent. So we need to have a whole life policy. I had a term policy when I was young, but then we both had a whole life policy as well. So that whole life policy is going to see us through our death, to our death. Because now most whole life policies last to 121 years. And so you need a whole life policy. Now, if you want, if you have, if you have children and if you want to leave that legacy, now Proverbs 13, 22 says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now that don't mean you have to leave, uh, leave, you know, a million dollars. Okay, but you do right, need right. to leave them. That's why I believe we, especially in the black community, are so far behind our peers because when we pass away, uh, it's been on record that we usually leave our family about fifteen hundred dollars on 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 average. Hispanic community about three thousand, and our 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 white peers a hundred thousand. That's a big disparity. Wow. That's a, a big, big gap. Big gap. Big gap. Because, and I think a lot of times it's because we're, we're so into trying to get the stuff that we need now, or we now, the new car, the new house, the new this, new that. And so we've got, and I, I used to tell a phrase to my boys, you put your bees before your peas. You put your business before your pleasure. Once you've got your business taken care of, you can do whatever you want to do with your pleasure, money. So, you want to get a term policy, like I said, if you're young or if you have a business and say you have a a, a, a partner in the business or if something happens, you all then um, you can buy the wife out or the, or the husband out, you know, and keep the business going, you know, or if it's a family business, it doesn't happen. A lot of times when a family uh, member, a key family member passes away, you know, the the uh, the business will suffer because they don't have the money to keep going. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, those are the reasons why you would need a term policy. You need a whole life policy again, because that is going to be the one to take you through to your your death. And then we also have a policy called a universal life policy. And I love those policy because they're hybrid between the term and the whole life. And those you build cash value, uh, you can, for retirement and you can pull out, you know, once it gets, once it sits and matures and I tell people it needs to marinate and sit for a while, but once it does that, it's a healthy policy and you can take that out. And the beauty about life insurance, when someone passes away, it's tax-free. I had two policies for critical illness and I always, when I would stand and speak about insurance, I would always make a joke is that, oh, I got these two critical illness policies, so I'll never get cancer, I'll never have a heart attack or a stroke, because basically that's what they were for. So when I got cancer, I'm like, whoa, I'm going to really have to call in on these things. So, you know, mm-hmm. the, the doctor, the doctor signs the paperwork, gets the paperwork. I had two checks in my mailbox in 14 days, okay? And so that helped tremendously when you don't, go to work or when you're not working as much or when you have to go to the doctor and you got co-pays, you got deductibles, you know, things that we don't even think about. So that's why you need 
uh, living benefit policies, your, your critical illness policies, along with your life insurance. Now, now we have life insurance policies that have those riders built in because they're so needed. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times we don't need an insurance to die. We need an insurance to live. So yes, you know, there, there's, there's different benefits for those. So I was able to get another critical illness and I got that same, and I got another critical illness. So again, God forbid, if I were to, you know, cancer come back in, boom, I got some more money coming in, you know? So we, we've got to look at things uh, realistically. When I was at my um, surgeon, I remember him telling me that Doretta, there are 10,000 or over 10,000 women a day that are diagnosed with breast cancer. So why wouldn't you have a cancer policy? Why wouldn't you have a critical illness policy? I, I mean, that's, that's a pretty, you know, the odds are, are, are pretty high, you know. So and, and it's great for young, for young individuals that they're 20 or 30 years old because they have their life in front of them and they can mm -hmm. kind of maneuver. But say, for example, you're just receiving this information now. And let's say maybe you're already in your 50s. Mm -hmm. Is it still possible to oh, yeah. receive oh, it? Oh, yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah, the only thing I was saying with young people is really the term policies, you know. But everybody, if you have not already had a condition, you can qualify for a policy or, or a critical illness policy. Now, one thing they do ask if you've had a mother to die, a sister to die. and it, Now, if, if, if there's a history, sometimes, you know, the insurance company will either decline you or maybe rate you. But what I tell people is that get as much as you can afford a life insurance policy and get a critical illness policy. And that's no matter how old you are. And um, I have different policies that I've gotten at different times. People say, oh, can I add to my life insurance policy? No. Cannot add to your life insurance policy. You can get another life insurance policy because now, when you've got your first one at twenty five, now you're forty five. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't mm -hmm. add to that because now you're forty five. So you have to get another life insurance policy at forty five. So the key is just getting your policy so your families are not suffering. You're not yes. out here on Facebook doing GoFundMe's. You're not out there. Big. Now, I don't know about you in Chicago, but out in Phoenix, Arizona, almost almost every weekend, we've got people holding up signs about, you know, donating for a funeral. And I just think that's sad because, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And it shouldn't. It does way. not. And it should not be that way. No, it's the same. Yes. Yeah. Well, Doretta, thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share? We, I could stay and speak with you an entire hour, but we've got to wrap it up and go. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners in terms of words of encouragement? Yeah. Just to just continue whatever your your diagnosis is, whether it's a loss or it's a, it's a uh, illness, just have the right mindset of what we endure is from the mind. You know, we yes. can go through so much more than we ever thought if we have the right 
set of just just our, our minds right. You know, we're, we're in the right place. Now, of course, we're going to get weary sometimes. Oh, you know, you're going to cry, mm-hmm. whatever. But hey, wipe that snot up and just say, okay, who get you some some inspirational tapes, books, ever that is that that works for you. You know, look at inspirational uh, movies. I did that a lot. But just do something to uplift you because it really, really takes a toll on you if you don't have your mind right. That's the number one thing. And then where can people purchase your book, Dying is Not an Option by Doretta Thomas? Where can they purchase your book? You can go to is not an option.net and that will take you right there if you have any insurance questions even if you have a policy already and you just have a question uh i have a website and it's ladies with an ies leaving legacies.com so love to hear from you god bless you i had such a great time loretta Oh, thank you so much. This has been a wealth of information, emotional and informative. Doretta Thomas, author of Dying is Not an Option. And, you know, it's just like you for us to be able to share the wisdom and the information and the encouragement Mm -hmm. to take action because you're not alone. Right, right. Because everything we go through is for somebody else to help somebody. Else. I Absolutely. Really uh, Absolutely. I am for that. <laughs> <laughs> so go to mamastorewisdom.com if you want to learn how to do right by your family. I share old school wisdom for a new generation so you can live your biggest and best life. There are free downloads of information. So go to the website and check it out. And remember, love and light are healing forces. So go make a positive difference in someone's life today. I want you to rise up and shine. I want you to rise up and thrive. I want you to rise up and succeed and rise up and be who you are meant to be. Mama Soul Wisdom, founder of the I Am Love Movement, sending you compassion acceptance, and forgiveness. Until next time, always remember to love yourself first. Thank you for tuning in to Mama Soul Wisdom's I Am Love Movement podcast. We hope that you have received a massive amount of value through the tips and tools provided here on today's episode. We look forward to helping you and your loved ones grow each and every day by sharing some of Mama Soul Wisdom. sure to sign up and register today to Mama Soul Wisdom's mailing list and tune in next time for our next episode of the I Am Love Movement podcast.